The news of Walmart creating their own beef supply chain sent ripples through the industry. And in this episode, we talk with Lamar Steiger, a rancher and consultant that was part of that process, how it came about, and what Walmart's customers are telling them about the beef products they want to buy on this episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm Justin Mills, your host for the Working Ranch Podcast. Glad to have you along here for this episode as we are kind of battening down the hatches, so to speak, here on the X-Ring Ranch in Northeast Wyoming. It sounds like some colder weather coming in. I know for those of us here on in the country that live more west of the Corn Belt, we've kind of had some pretty decent weather here lately. And for those east of the Corn Belt, it's definitely been a little wintry with more to come, it sounds like. But speaking of weather, now we're not going to have a weather segment today on this episode, but join us next week as meteorologist Don Day will be providing us his update on our long-term weather outlook for the country. I would like to thank our sponsors for this episode, the North American Limousine Foundation, Cattle Max, the American Simmental Association, and the IGS Feeder Profit Calculator, the American Hereford Association, and the King Ranch Institute of Ranch Management. Well, the Working Ranch Podcast is made possible by Working Ranch Magazine, and if you're like me, you like going on ranch visits just so you can see things like how they design their corrals or their working alleys. Maybe it's the gates or the gate latches or some other unique features. So if that kind of revs your motor just a little bit, then I invite you to check out the article by Troy Smith entitled Progressive Life on the 100th meridian that's in the january-february issue of working ranch magazine it starts on page 54 but the article features the rock hill ranch in south dakota and the perman family but uh the articles and the pictures almost make you feel like you're on a ranch tour yourself some neat things in there to to see and to read about also towards the end of that article it talks about their custom beef enterprise which ironically kind of mildly ties into our main featured story today and if you're not receiving Working Ranch Magazine, I'd encourage you to check it out. You can find more information at workingranchmag.com or you can give me a call or shoot me an email and I can help you get set up with a subscription. My email is justin.workingranch at gmail.com or you can give me a call here at the studio at 307-363-COWS. Well, right now we're going to go check in with the Captain Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine, for Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, Working Ranch podcast listeners. Justin, this is kind of interesting. Got this out of the news. Bill Gates is now the top private farmland owner in America with more than 242,000 acres across 18 states. Cable billionaire... John Malone is still the country's biggest landowner with 2.2 million acres of ranches and forests. And Amazon's Jeff Bezos is also investing in land and owns more than 422,000 acres, mostly in West Texas. Folks, what does that mean? I don't know. I really don't. I'm hoping you can help us out, Justin. And I got an assignment for you out there, you good listeners, especially young folks. Go find your grandparents or an older uh, person in your family or in your community, one of the elders, and ask them how hard were times back 
in your day? What did you have to live through? I think you're going to be mighty surprised. Let them talk, and I want you to listen. Justin, back to you in the studio. Well, there you go. An assignment to those of you younger folks. Ask some of the old timers, whether it's family or someone there at the coffee shop, about how hard their times were. And did you hear the captain's final instruction? He said, and listen to him. So there you go. Thanks, Captain. Well, stay with us. Coming up after this break, we're going to head right into our topic for this episode on the Walmart beef supply chain. We'll be back right after this. It's an uncertain world out there, but here's a simple reminder from the crew from the IGS Feeder Profit Calculator and the American Semental Association. Moving forward together. IGS. We collaborate. You profit. Look fear in the face and press on. Simi strong. Life is tough, but so are we. Sim genetics. Profit through science. Count your blessings. Another sunrise, a new start. Stand together. Stand strong. Semental. Sound familiar, right? It should. Part of the commercials that you've been hearing for the past year from the IGS Feeder Profit Calculator. We've talked a lot about it, but have you tried it? So let's just talk plainly, candidly. No music, no ha-ha, funny sound bites. Just rancher to rancher. The Feeder Profit Calculator is free. There's no hidden costs. Now, they can't promise that because you use the IGS Feeder Profit Calculator this upcoming marketing season that your calves are going to blow the doors off the sale barn. They can't promise that. But, but here's what they can say, that if you get an extra dollar for those calves, does it make a difference? Well, 100 calves at 500 pounds and a dollar more this fall gives you an extra $500 to the paycheck. And it didn't cost you anything but a few hours worth of work. So you know what happens when you do nothing? Nothing. The IGS Feeder Profit Calculator. It's free. It's fast. Period. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And did you know that there is absolutely a viable need for ranch managers in the industry? And while you might have a decent education from college or even the school of hard knocks, there is a place where you can expand your ranch management skills that will elevate your career. And it's called the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management. Now, they offer a Master of Science in Ranch Management that teaches graduate students using a multidisciplinary systems approach to ranch management. Now, King Ranch Institute's ranch management program prepares mature students to strategically manage diverse and complex ranch operations. You know, I have seen the list of alumni, and I'll just put it this way. It's really simple to say they are employed. It's a two-year program with scholarships available, and right now, through March 31st, they are accepting applications to their prestigious and industry-recognized Master of Science in Ranch Management program. So, if you want to be a part of the legacy at the only Master of Science in Ranch Management program in the world through the King Ranch Institute, you can do that. To find out more, go to king-ranch.com. Well, let's turn now towards our featured topic, which is the Walmart beef supply chain. Now, this episode is part one of two episodes. The next one will be next week. However, before I introduce my guest, I would like to sort of set the stage for why I wanted to find more information about the Walmart beef supply chain. While I walked into this interview with really no hard opinion, I did have some preconceived thoughts. But honestly, I was interested in knowing more about Walmart's program, how it got started, and why they pursued it, and how it's going to affect the beef industry. 
However, coming out of the interview, while I felt most of the questions were answered, I also realized how unattached we are in the ranching industry towards our end customers, which is the consumer. Now, in today's episode, and again in next week as we continue it, I hope that as you listen to the story, that first you're going to be informed from someone who has firsthand information about the Walmart beef supply chain. And then more importantly, I hope that you pull out of this the why. Why was it done? And what that means for those of us in the beef raising business we call ranching. So with that, I would like to introduce my guest today, Mr. Lamar Steiger, who is joining me today from Bentonville, Arkansas, the very same community that Sam Walton opened his very first store back in the 1950s called Walton's 5 and 10. But Lamar is both a rancher and a consultant, and while he resides in Arkansas now, his roots run all the way back to, coincidentally, Northeast Wyoming, here where I am at, where he was raised for a period of time on a ranch right on the Belfouche River, the very same river I was raised on, in fact. But another coincidence in all of this is that Lamar Steiger and I, while not blood-related, we do share the same Aunt Mary Garmin. However, it was Lamar's brother Carl that texted me a while back and he said, you know what, you need to visit with my brother Lamar because he has been the linchpin in Walmart setting up their own beef supply chain. So, Lamar, I do want to thank you for joining me today. And first, talk about your story and how you came to be a part of this. Yeah, well, first off, let me thank you for having me on. I, I love working Ranch Magazine and my my brother Carl calls it the most useful publication that's printed and that comes out. So thank you for having me having me on. Uh, our family was several couple generations in Northeast Wyoming. And in 1970, uh, my dad decided to move south. He said that winter wasn't so bad, but the length of winter uh, was getting getting old. And so we ended up in Northwest Arkansas on a on a on a fescue ranch uh, right outside of Bentonville, Arkansas. And coincidentally, we moved to Bentonville the same month that Walmart went public and had just a couple dozen stores and that was the time where they were growing and so it was really interesting for me uh, as i uh, got into my older years to grow to, to grow up right here in bentonville at the same uh, right right alongside while walmart grew up i i was blessed i married uh, a girl sherry shoemaker her dad was one of sam walton's early early uh, partners and his one of his executives and so i really had a front seat for years and years to what was going on uh, right here in Bentonville with the growth of Walmart and got to know uh, all of the executives all through the years, uh, Sam Walton included. My dad uh, moved to herd of Charlet cattle, Justin down here from Wyoming. And we we're in the Charlet business and then the Jersey dairy business, trying to create a little more income for, for four sons. And in 1983, uh, he sold uh, the ranch to my father-in-law, Jack Shoemaker, the Walmart executive. And we uh, we got into the Angus business at that point, and I ran his Angus herd for a couple decades, and actually uh, did consulting, uh, buying and selling bulls, and worked at my church a little bit. And then, just uh, the middle of the last decade, uh, I was really fortunate to be at dinner at my home with the uh, CEO of the Walmart USA business, which would be all 4,500 stores in the United States, not the, not the uh, international stores. His name uh, is Greg Foran. And Greg uh, is from Australia, uh, originally from New Zealand. And he asked me, uh, why is the beef supply chain in the United States such a mess? And he had only been in the States for a few weeks. And he had come to the determination that it was the most complicated, dysfunctional supply chain of everything uh, that he was selling at Walmart, which is, as you can 
imagined quite a few items. And that conversation turned into a consulting contract to come alongside the Walmart meat team. Amazing, amazing meat team that they have at Walmart. Um, uh, really, really smart meat guys and gals. And uh, as uh, if you look back at the history of Walmart, it was originally general merchandise. You know, the old Walmarts didn't have groceries until somewhere around 1990 or a little after that. So they were testing it during that time. And and they went, Justin, they went from having no grocery stores to being the largest grocer in the United States in less less than 15 years. And, uh, and they introduced uh, from a lot of technology that was being used in other countries, including having a case ready plant. And so a grocery store that sells case ready means that the the subprimals go to a different plant or a different part of a plant where they're cut into uh, into the, the actual steaks or roast and they're put into the white or black or in some cases now blue uh, styrofoam trays. Uh, those uh, that case ready plant ships those ship those trays out to the stores. And that's basically the, the system that that Walmart has and continues to use to this day. So fill us in now on some of the details of the program. I realize that it's been out for a little while now, as I think they announced it in 2019, and then 2020 is when some of the other elements of it came online. But And there's been coverage on it, but even for those that are aware of it and for those that are not as familiar, can you explain what has been set up that is what you are going to be calling the Walmart beef supply chain? Yeah, so one of the first things that they asked me to do that Greg Warren, when he was CEO, he asked me to do is to take take the meat the meat team on a roadshow, and we were really uh, blessed to be able to fly all over the country from Oregon. We we sat at the the, the dinner table with uh, Rob and Lori Thomas uh, out at uh, Thomas Angus in Eastern Oregon and learned a lot. And he was really honest and great about telling us, uh, you know, uh, the question that I would ask these ranchers when I took the the meat team with with me was what would you want the CEO of Walmart, the largest, you know, grocer in the United States to know about ranching and about what your frustrations are. And, and we went to ranches in Montana and Kansas and Georgia and uh, all, all over the United States. And, um, and, you know, we had such great feedback that every time that we had a meeting and we wiped the board clean and started writing down some of the things that we were hearing and that we were really uh, listening to as well. And when you, when you team that up with what the consumers are telling Walmart every day through their shopping habits, uh, the decision was made to talk to um, 44 farms. Uh, Bob McLaren has a ranch down in, uh, in uh, kind of in East Central Texas. And uh, Mr. McLaren has a background in some other businesses as well as his family ranch has been in his family, I think about a century. And, and uh, when we were halfway through the conversation with Mr. McLaren and his team, he has his own uh, uh, direct-to-consumer beef business called 44 Steaks, and uh, they sh- they're in lots of restaurants and ship to consumers all over the United States. And so he had his own end-to-end supply chain already, and we were halfway through the conversation, and he just stopped it. And he said, well, what, what do you all want? And the Walmart team opened up, which they were very open and honest with ranchers, and they said, hey, we're thinking we want our own end-to-end supply chain so that we can learn – Uh, all the different segments of the business and that we can figure out how to take some cost out, which is something that Walmart's really good at taking cost out. So long story uh, short, it took a while. It's not easy. This is a very difficult business uh, and very complicated business. But what we ended up with uh, that I'm really proud of being a part of, but I'm most proud 
that Walmart like pulled the trigger and did it because it's a, it's a big deal for, I think our industry. And so, uh, 44 farm sales bulls, all of the United States to buy the bulls out of the 44 genetics, which have proven through a lot of slaughtering, a lot of, a lot of harvesting to be very, very high quality, uh, with, uh, with the choice, uh, and prime their preference, uh, with the company that they organize called prime pursuits. That's, that's the procurement company. And Pride Pursuits is buying cattle from the West Coast to the Southeast, and they buy a minimum of one load of cattle. They have to be Angus sired. They have there's no hormone uh, additives, and uh, and there's a verification uh, process that they have their own verification process. And then, but the program is bigger than than right now. There's enough 44 Angus genetics for, and so they're buying cattle uh, off off of ranches directly. They're buying cattle through. Uh, through uh, the online sales as well and, and other ways I'm sure as well. And so they're, they're responsible for procuring those cattle and bringing them up to the specs that Walmart uh, has contracted with them to do. Uh, the cattle are all harvested at Creekstone. Creekstone is in South Central Kansas at um, our Kansas City, Kansas. And they're our partner in the harvesting the, the, uh, the subprimals are then put sent down to a plant, um, a packaging case ready plant that Walmart built in a, uh, Thomasville, Georgia. And those are then those subprimals are, are cut up and put into the plastic trays and sent out to uh, over 400 stores. Uh, depending, COVID kind of made things a little more complicated, but somewhere between four and 500 stores as of today. So a uh, pretty good sized program. It's not company wide. They're partners with uh, with the uh, the big packing plant companies, and uh, and they still are, I think, good partners, and they want to be good partners with with their their major suppliers, and and I think the major suppliers want to be good partners back, and and Walmart wants to have this uh, this line of meat that eventually here very quickly this spring they're going to put actually a, a label on it and start advertising it, and it's uh, a little bit different than the conventional line, and then it is hormone. Uh, no hormone additive. It's NHTC, uh, Justin. And, uh, uh, you know, it's hard. It's been, it's, we, there's a lot, a big learning curve to putting together a supply chain like this. And both sides are really open and honest with their conversations about here's what's working for us and, and what's working, uh, what's not working and sharing, sharing a lot of, uh, sharing a lot of data on the, uh, from the kill data. And then it's also interesting for Walmart to be able to look back and have insights into what it takes to feed these cattle, what it takes to procure these cattle and, and have those open and honest conversations. It's up and going. And, and, uh, I think everybody feels really good about it. I had the opportunity last summer, uh, to take the CEO of the entire company and the CEO of the wall of the U S business down to 44 farms. And they were, they're all very enthusiastic about it. Lamar Steiger, rancher consultant to Walmart. And my guest today, we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, we're going to start getting into more of the details about why and reasons for Walmart's move into the sourcing and supplying their own beef straight to the consumer. Kaching. More pounds, more calves, more profit. Studies show Hereford Genetics increased net profit by $51 per cow per year. That's $20,000 in additional revenue for a typical 400-cow outfit. And calves sired by Hereford bulls continue to add value through the chain. A documented $30 per head in feedlot profitability. That's real money and real results. Get more ka Come home to Hereford at Hereford.org. 
How would you like an easier way to organize and manage your ranch records? It's easy with CattleMax, the software for people who raise cattle. CattleMax brings all your ranch records together in one place. Manage your cattle data, including health treatments, breeding, and calving. Ranch records, such as equipment inventory and maintenance, income and expenses. It works for any size herd. See how easy it is to manage your ranch records. Start free now at CattleMax.com. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mills. As we continue with our conversation on Walmart's beef supply chain, my guest is Lamar Steiger, a rancher consultant to Walmart, instrumental, as you just heard, in assisting Walmart with this new venture. But Lamar, I know that Walmart is extremely perceptive to what their customers want. So what are their customers telling them about what they want to see in the meat case? Uh, Customers... Uh, that are buying at grocery stores or buying in restaurants are saying a couple things is that um, they, they want consistency in the size. Uh, a lot of, uh, for instance, I'll just pick on ribeyes are a lot of our cattle are getting so big that the ribeyes are getting pretty expensive. If you cut them an inch thick, customers want them an inch thick. And if they're so big uh, that a price point uh, varies by how thick you cut it, uh, it's getting. It's a challenge to get ribeyes to fit into these uh, into these trays. Um, customers want uh, the same experience from every steak they buy. Uh, you know, you don't know anybody who went home last week and bought a, a chicken and bragged on the fact, "Oh my gosh, this was an awesome chicken! I got it at I got it at Walmart, or I got it at Safeway, or I got it somewhere." But they will say, "Oh my gosh, this was an awesome steak!" And by the way. Uh, guess what? I got it at Walmart, which is kind of fun. Well, stay with us in our next and final segment of this episode. Our guest, Lamar Steiger, will share with us what pushed Walmart towards this program as they aim to provide a consistent red meat product for their customer. If you could do something today that would bring you profit tomorrow, would you do it? In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. And with limousine genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With Limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds naturally to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with Limousine Genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and longevity of your cows and bulls. It's as simple as Limousine Today, Profit Tomorrow. Justin Mills, your host here for the Working Ranch Podcast. Thanks for joining us on our episode. My guest has been Lamar Steiger regarding the Walmart beef supply chain. And Lamar, as a rancher yourself, you've definitely been able to provide them with that perspective. And in the last segment, you talked about customers wanting quality and consistency in their product. So what did Walmart do to start to address those needs that the customers were wanting? Um when we got to visiting with the Walmart team, when I was blessed as a consultant to come along the Walmart team, I got to be in on a lot of those early conversations that they were having about how do we our quality and consistency. I think in my view that uh, by 2010 or 12, 14, 15, that you could say that Walmart probably had a well-deserved uh, bad reputation in the meat business just because of the size and the scale and and frankly, it's really hard to get, you know, consistency and quality at that at that level. 
when you only have you know four four companies to to buy your meat from and and uh, the first one of the first things that they did which i really encouraged was they pushed for uh the um uh, the meat buyers pushed uh, their suppliers for Angus-based cattle, uh, black-eyed Angus-based cattle. And the the program they have, they have a white tray, which is lower choice, and their entry-level price point, upper select. Uh, they have a black tray, a black plastic tray that is uh, the Angus product. And, uh, Justin, it's uh, basically uh, the same specs as CAB. Uh, they require it, uh, they ask their suppliers to have it be Angus based. And, you know, there's enough Angus cattle that for a grocery store that size that they could get, uh, they could get the, the cons- start to improve the quality and consistency. And, and, um, as I've gone around the country and talked to a lot of ranchers and a lot of feedlots and all, and I, the, I, I get some questions about, you know, why Angus, like, why, why should they do, why did they choose? Why did they, and you know, it's, it's it's basically listening to the customers and uh large large numbers of american customers they know the word angus and the word angus uh means quality to them and a, and a good eating experience and you know i i grew up in the charlay business and and uh, we had pulled herefords for a while and i know and and the walmart executives know that there's great eating experiences with lots of breeds and nobody expects that you know that everybody's going to turn and and go one direction uh, that as as these kind of programs grow, as we see uh, Walmart uh, do this and then some other grocery stores and, and some small supply chains as well as some large supply chains, uh, somewhere there's a niche for your cattle. And I know you have a big audience of ranchers all over the United States and uh, and everybody has a different set of environmental circumstances where they grow grow their cattle, different types of grass, different types of heat and, or cold and different types of situations and or preferences for breeds or type of cattle that, that they want to raise. And uh, what I've come to conclude after b- being in this thing of being in both worlds, the ranching world and the grocery world for half a dozen years now is that uh, that that I'm I'm for all the different supply chains. I'm just really glad that we still have consumers eating beef because there's a big pushback uh, nationwide, worldwide, to some of the the issues. Some of the issues in the beef business are self-inflicted, and some of them are totally not fair, and they're totally not true. Some of the accusations that we face, but the reality is that consumers get to vote on whether they like beef every single day when they go into a grocery store, and if there's a niche, whether it's organic or all grass or NHTC or never ever, whatever that niche is, uh, or, or even just conventional meat, if there's a niche that you feel strongly, that a rancher feels strongly about, by golly, you know, they should, they should jump in and try to figure out how to cooperate with a complete supply chain in order to get the value for their, for their calves. Well, we're going to put a pause on the interview for this episode, but in our next episode next week, we're going to go further down the road talking about consistency of product because that kind of starts to ruffle some feathers among ranchers in that some concern that they're going to try to make us like the chicken or the pork industry. But are there some realities to consider when it comes to consistency that we cannot afford to ignore 
in the beef business. That is what we're going to be talking about on next week's episode, so be sure to listen in. Again, I would like to thank my guest today, Lamar Steiger, for joining me. And, of course, he will be with us again next week for part two of that interview. Also, a thank you to the captain, Tim O'Byrne, for Tim's two cents. And a thank you as well to our sponsors for this episode, the American Cementol Association and the IGS Feeder Profit Calculator, North American Limousine Foundation, Cattle Max, the American Hereford Association, and the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management. I invite you to take your ranch management opportunities to the next level with the only Master of Science in ranch management program in the world that's through the king ranch institute now taking applications through march 31st well if you do have questions ideas for topics on the show or would just like to get a hold of me you can do it by calling or texting the studio at 307-363-COWS that's 307-363-COWS or you can shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com This has been a production of The Working Ranch Magazine, and if you're going to be looking at buying bulls this spring, you'll find the industry leader's sale information in your issue of Working Ranch Magazine. Thanks again for joining me. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.